0: What is happening, world? I'm your host, the Wizard of Waz, Benji Wozniak, and this week I'm going to do poems and creative writings. And uh, I'm honestly honored that a bunch of people from other countries listen to What Is Happening. And uh, one of our listeners reached out to me on Messenger, and his name is Nazira Wanda. He lives in Accra, Ghana, and uh, he's a great writer. Uh, if you get a chance to read any of his stuff, it's on Medium.com, and you can also find him on Facebook. His works have been published in the Postgrad Survival Kit, Sibulini Africa, and he's on numerous interviews on YouTube, so uh, if you get a chance, please check him out. I'm going to read one of his poems, and hopefully I do it justice. Uh, It's called Mirror Walls. Whispers carry to his ears, every time he's tagged absent. From whence these all he hears, his employees wondered to an extent. In this strict bait, he wonders wide, skinny legal hideouts off chide, to protect and protest birds. His loudspeaker swings and smiles, while cloudy chains fall aloft. But they sit with fears in piles, as they know not what he coughs. As if bitter pain differs from his tongue, she speaks, assuming you're sick. Who cares? Po, poor, poor, poor! Termites wouldn't dare to be ugly and weary. Dread upswings fear, as, as clock frogs through the windows of mist, and shows its head in the magma of Feb. And from heat to the rains of June twist, he rises to the peak of cobweb through evil means of gossip. The day the sun wakes up, all that he gathered vanished He's won and lost through Tittle Tattle. So as you can see, he is a great writer. If you get a chance, he is on Medium.com, and I'll have the links on Was Happening's Facebook page so you can actually find him. Uh, I seriously hope that you listen and go out and find this guy's uh, work because he's a great writer. And um, look him up on YouTube and hear what he has to say. Uh, Again, he's from Ghana, and uh, I really enjoyed his work. So the motto of Was Happening's podcast is Dare to Be Different. So I want all my listeners to dare to be different. Don't be followers, be leaders, because you should consider yourself a pen and the world as your paper. No one can change the story you write on it but you, because each person has their own story to write. That being said, don't let gossip hurt you or influence you against others. Make your own decisions, and don't let someone's hurtful words stop you from being the best you you can be. I'm going to read a few Bible verses about gossip, and then I'm getting into my poems and short stories, which can be located on wattpad.com, W-A-T-T-P-A-D.com, Proverbs sixteen twenty eight. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates friends. Proverbs 11.13 A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Proverbs 11.9 With their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors, but through knowledge the righteous escape. Psalms 34.13 Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. So now I'm going to move on to stories that I've written, poems, and let me see if you guys like them. This was entitled, The Leper's Window. Homeless and alone, listening to a preacher's sermon as I sit beneath the leper's window. Are all the people wearing their Sunday best? Does God love them more? And because I'm outside, love me less? Will I always be on the outside looking in? When will my suffering stop? When will my blessings begin? I love the Lord with all my heart. I read his word. My devotion to him did not just start. Am I truly storing blessings for a later day? Am I doing things right? Am I following the Lord's way? After the service is over and the people leave, do they cherish the knowledge? Do they truly believe? These answers I strongly desire, because I long to go to heaven. I have no desire to visit the fire. I know being here is the right thing to do, for no matter where you sit, the Lord's love is inside of you. The title of this one I call, um, Sinner's Plea. Pages turn each passing day. Time like life is passing away. We cannot dwell on yesterday when we are only promised today. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed that pale horseman may come on his steed. Our lives are always on the brink. Death is a well which we all must drink. Many are afraid of how it might taste someone served to them without haste. Does your hand on the doorknob to eternity shake? Or is your entering it an easy decision to make? Can you say it was a righteous life you led? Will you be one of the living when your body's dead? These thoughts race through my mind because I was once spiritually blind. So if I'm only promised the here and now, I'm going to live it the best I know how. Lord Jesus, please hear the sinner plea. Let your Holy Spirit shine bright inside me. The one I'm about to read is called Paul, and I kind of wrote this for children. Once upon a time, there was a man named Saul who swore he'd wipe out the Christian belief once and for all. That is, until the Lord Jesus decided to give him a call. Jesus showed him how he was headed for a great fall, that through him was the only way to reach God's heavenly hall. This wasn't a task that was small, because you don't just walk in Christianity, you first have to crawl. Saul decided he desperately wanted to become a believer after all. He even changed his name from Saul to Paul. In devoting himself to Jesus, he decided not to stall. From that day forth in the Christian faith, he stood tall. He even spread the teachings of Jesus from Philip Lee to Gaul. I'd like to give my advice to young musicians, or poets, or writers carry a piece of paper a notebook with you a small one and a pen because you never know when inspiration is going to come upon you and you don't want to lose what you get in your mind because sometimes you'll have this great idea and you don't have a pen or paper to write it down and then you lose it forever and don't throw anything out because you never know what's actually good and it's good to you so that's all that matters so I'm gonna move on from religious poems and writing so I don't always write religious poems and writing so sometimes it comes upon me to think about something that I want to write and I put it down it's like anybody else it's just a creative idea and this one's called she loves me she loves me not the first petal fell and I softly whispered her name. The second petal fell, and I realized I was to blame. The third petal fell, and I was a moth for her flame. The fourth petal fell, and I was filled with shame. The fifth petal fell, and I saw a picture in its frame. The sixth petal fell, and my wild heart became tame. The seventh petal fell, and I was losing this game. The last petal fell, and my life will never be the same. This next poem is about Pompeii. Uh, It really fascinates me about what happened with that island. Uh, When Mount Vesuvius blew, many of the people died. And when they died, they were actually frozen in time from the lava and the volcanic ash. So as they fell and as they laid is is the exact positions that they died. And they're like turned to stone, basically. So um, here we are. The devil's blood is flowing from the mountain like the waters from a fountain. This bright, shiny day has turned an ashen gray. People are fleeing down to the coast. No matter what happens, I will never leave my post. Snow is falling from the sky, the snow doesn't melt and burns the eyes. The air is filled with the eerie sound, the baying of a thousand hounds. It's as if all of them have seen a ghost. No matter what happens, I will not leave my post. The ground continues to tremble and shake, as people flee with whatever they can take. I hear people praying with all their might, and others wailing in terrified fright. The mountain continues to unleash this invading host. No matter what happens, I will not leave my post. People are grabbed by the devil's hand, and where they are, they will forever stand. I hear screams of the dying all around. Any hope of salvation is nowhere to be found. I, myself, and my armor begin to roast, no matter what happens. I will not leave my post. So I wrote that about like a Roman soldier who, during this whole thing, is dedicated to protecting what he's supposed to do and then forever frozen in time because of it. This one is called Tab Woods. It's about, you know, the um, the false news for movie stars that are out there, like Star and all of the fun stuff. Um, gossip magazines. I know a secret, but I can't tell. Somebody else will, because gossip sells. Tell me something. It don't have to be true. As long as it's juicy, the magazines will pay you. So find out The latest rumors, then give me the dirt. I'll make sure it's published, because who cares who it hurts? This one's called Star, I forget it's like how the life of a movie star must feel. Do you know me? I've been popular since birth. I'm a household name, for what it's worth. People love me. My face is on every newsstand. It's hard not to be noticed when you're in total demand. I'm a box office draw, on both stage and screen, which isn't that great, because everything I do is seen. i am followed wherever I go. I don't have a moment left on my own. I understand I'm famous, but even we need time alone, I love you, and I know you love me. I just wish you'd give me some space. You're driving me crazy. So I'm from Lynn, Mass, and anybody in the surrounding area, like Revere, Swampscott, Malden, everybody knows Revere Beach. It's like a hangout where you go, like to meet, like you can meet people, and it's just really like a nice place to sit and enjoy the the beach or the the air. So um, many different cars parked in a row as others drive by real slow, desperate to find a parking space. Girls in bikinis sitting on the wall while guys drive by giving cat calls. People setting up lawn chairs to sit. There are radios playing the latest hits. Bikers pedaling up and down the street. Yep, more people just prefer to use their feet. It's easier to meet people that way. That's why people came here night and day. This is the latest gathering spot, whether the season is cold or hot. Charlie's Seafood is open year-round, which has the best clams anywhere to be found. You can enjoy yourself by just sitting under the night sky, or talk to the many people walking by. Old couples are always out for a casual walk, eating ice cream cones as they joyously talk. Whether it be by the moon or the sun, Revere Beach seems to have something for everyone. So, if you live in Massachusetts and never been to Salem during the Halloween season, it's absolutely a must. And I wrote this about that, costumes being worn by young and old, people listening to the ghost stories being told, scary decorations everywhere, ghostly sounds filling the air, wolves full of smiling faces, while tourists visit the haunted places, eating saltwater taffy on the pier, it's Salem's busiest time of year, the witch museum's line is long, so people sing their favorite Halloween songs, the House of Seven Gables is a required site, on this all Hallows' night, People celebrating in the streets while happily greeting everyone they meet. You've never seen such jubilation as the City of Salem's Halloween celebration. The next one I wrote is about Boston. It's uh, during Christmas time. It's actually very beautiful and if you get a chance, and it's another place you need to actually visit if you're in Massachusetts, uh, just the tree and everything. It's just so pretty. It wasn't cold to me. I was too focused on all I could see. The commons covered in snow, little children watching a live Christmas show, parents laughing with one another, a boy on his sled being pulled by his brother. Decorations hanging on every post. Cups of cocoa being raised in a toast. Carolers singing songs out loud while people happily sing along from the crowd. Santa hats worn all around. Not one sad face could be found. A young couple going on a sleigh ride. As ice skaters gracefully glide. Santa collecting money for the poor. Shoppers hurrying from store to store. Watching artists turning ice into a swan. Parents buying Christmas decorations for their lawn. People clapping as they light the Christmas tree which is what everyone came to see. Yes, the city of Boston is a beautiful sight during this Christmas season at night. The next one I wrote is also a Christmas poem, and then I'm gonna go into uh, short stories I wrote. So, it's called A Christmas Wish. I dragged my tired body from the bed, couldn't lift my sleeping head. Normally I would wake with a bound, yet this Christmas I barely made a sound. I was so sure Santa had visited last night, except inside I just didn't feel right. He probably brought all kinds of neat stuff. That, in all honesty, should be enough. I just had my heart set on a certain thing, which I decided Santa wouldn't bring. I prayed to God with all of my heart and have been good from the very start. I even asked my mom and dad, but their expressions seemed rather sad. So as I walked from my room to the tree, I had a good clue what I would see. presents neatly set in different piles with both my parents showing smiles. But I found myself being knocked to the ground by something making a yapping sound. It started licking my face and jumping around from place to place. I felt myself beginning to cry. But the puppy licked tears from my eyes. My parents were both laughing with joy, knowing I wanted this over any toy. So I held the puppy close to me real tight, thanking God with all my might. Merry Christmas, everyone. So on Wattpad, watt uh, under B-Dog69, you can find my writings. And one of the writings I have is a story called Dangerous Mr. Jangles. It's the story of a ghost of a murdered tinker. Now, a tinker was someone back in the day who used to push a cart around, and they'd fix things for people like you know broken pots and things like that they do uh, they'd come in and they actually make it better uh, so you could use it and function with it no one in the small town of Lynn Massachusetts knew his name they just called him Mr. Jangles to the sound that his cart made as he pushed it up and down the street he was known to fix any item that was broken in return for money or food he was by the name of the trade a tinker the Revolutionary War had not started yet and Great Britain still had power over the colonies it wasn't uncommon to see many individuals offering the same kind of service as Mr. Jangles What was uncommon was that Mr. Jangles was a black male in his early 30s. Once a slave of a wealthy landowner, Mr. Jangles had procured his freedom by saving the man's daughter from drowning. Unfortunately, during that time period, there was a price for the freedom. Being a black male without any money or any place to live, and only a sheet of paper declaring he was freed, truly meant nothing. Why did the landowner, if he was grateful to Mr. Jangles, free him but give him no money or shelter until he could make it on his own? Suspicion and rumors that Mr. Jangles was sleeping with the landowner's wife made the decision easy. As he was walking towards town, thinking about how he was going to survive through the upcoming winter months, Mr. Jangles stumbled upon an old man fixing a broken wheel on a pushcart. Mr. Jangles quickly offered the man his assistance, seeing an opportunity to earn money a meal when the job was completed not only did the old man provide mr jangles with a meal but he offered him a good job as his assistant as mr jangles agreed to immediately as the months passed the old man taught mr jangles all the tricks of the trade in becoming a good tinker with the assistance of mr jangles the old man made double what he would have made on his own sadly when the winter months arrived during a trip to a neighboring town The old man collapsed and died on the road during his return. With a sad heart, Mr. Jangles carried the old man into the woods and attempted to bury him. Even with a shovel, the ground was so hard to dig into, the old man's grave was shallow. Mr. Jangles vowed to return at the end of winter to properly bury the kind old man. Throughout the final months of winter, it was a daily ritual for the townspeople of Lynn, Massachusetts to hit the jangle of the pushcart. No one knows who came up with the nickname Mr. Jangles, but whenever a person needed an item fixed and heard the pushcart, they'd run to the front door and holler his name. This would always bring a wide smile to Mr. Jangles' face. Happiness and life itself never last long, which Mr. Jangles learned quickly. A week before the last day of winter, a merchant wagon rolled into town, bringing with it the dead body of the old man. Apparently, the merchant that discovered the old man's body when he entered the woods to relieve himself. The shallow grave had been unearthed by an animal of some kind that must have been desperate for food due to the winter and gorge itself on the remains of the old man. When the merchant pulled back the blanket to show the townspeople his gruesome discovery, a mob quickly assembled with a united cry for justice to be dealt upon the old man's murderer. It didn't take the mob long to find Mr. Jangles. His cart was parked in front of a house where he was fixing a family's wind chimes. He had just placed the chimes on a hook on the front of the porch when the mob swarmed him. He was beaten unmercifully and dragged to a nearby tree, and stood on a chair and placed a noose around his neck. As the leader of the mob, which just happened to be the old master, told Mr. Jangles the charges against him, Mr. Jangles desperately professed his innocence. Mr. Jangles saw them uncontrollably as he told the mob how much he loved the old man who would never hurt him. He begged them not to kill him and swore that his soul would forever seek vengeance on the town for this injustice. It was at that moment, just as Mr. Jangles uttered this curse, the old master kicked the chair out from under him. On the anniversary of his death, a fog rolled into town at nightfall. Throughout the night, blood-curdling screams could be heard. In the morning, the surviving townspeople emerged from their houses and discovered entire families brutally murdered. Whatever committed this monstrous act bypassed any house that had wind chimes hanging on its porch. This has happened every year since the hanging of Mr. Jangles and still continues this day. Jesse Underhill stared at the elderly black man who sat across from him from the table. He and his family moved into the city of Lynn two months ago. As they were moving their possessions into the house, the elderly man had approached them. He had introduced himself as Esprim Holmes and brought a welcoming present. The gift was a wind chime, which his mother had never liked. She gracefully thanked him, and he turned to leave. She chucked the gift into the rubbish. Jesse, being new to the city, befriended Ephraim and visited him often. He enjoyed the old man's stories, but this one was ridiculous. What's wrong? Ephraim asked. Well, for one, you said the town of Lynn. Jesse chuckled. This is a city. It didn't become a city until much later, Ephraim shrugged. So you expect me to believe everyone in the city puts wind chimes on their porch to ward off a ghost? Not the whole city. Not the whole city. Only this street and the three next to it, which make up the original township, Ephraim sighed. Come on, Ephraim. Let's be real about this, Jesse said, as he looked at him skeptically. That's just some made-up ghost story to scare children. No, no, you're wrong. The story's true, and you're a fool not to believe me. And why should I believe such a story? Because it's being told to you by a direct descendant of the bastard child sired by the landowner's wife, and Mr. Jangles, Ephraim replied angrily. Jesse rose from the chair as he looked out the kitchen window. Well, thanks for the story, Ephraim. It's getting late, and I have to go. As Jesse made his way to the front door, Ephraim looked over at the window, into the foggy night sky. Ephraim's head quickly snapped over to the calendar on the wall. It was February 1st, Mr. Jangle's anniversary. He'd been so preoccupied lately that he didn't track the days. He cursed himself at being so stupid. Jesse, for God's sake, stay on the porch, Ephraim yelled as he sprung up from the chair and raced to the front door. When he swung open the door, the jangle of numerous wind chimes filled the air. Jesse was standing on the porch staring at something in the fog as Ephraim stood next to him. He saw what it was, the silhouette of a man pushing a cart. You gotta be friggin' kidding me, Jesse said, looking at Ephraim in disbelief. The story was real. Ephraim nodded as they both watched the silhouette continue up the street. When it was directly in front of Jesse's house, the silhouette walked away from the cart and towards Jesse's house. The wind chimes. I gave you family wind chimes, Ephraim said as he grabbed Jesse by the shoulders and spun him around to face him. What happened to the wind chimes? My mom threw them away, Jesse replied with a look of terror on his face. Ephraim quickly grabbed them in a bear thug, and if Jesse had voiced any objections, they went unheard. The only thing Ephraim could hear was the tortured screams of Jesse's dying parents. So if you live in Lynn or in the surrounding area, you've obviously looked out into the ocean and seen Egg Rock. It's a big formation where they have a lighthouse. The next story was called The Legend of Egg Rock. An old man tells his granddaughter the legend of Egg Rock. The wound was severe, but she was able to carry her egg across the ocean to this spot she laid the egg in the water and settled on a nearby cluster of rocks the blood flowed from the gash on her side down her ebony black scales and drenched the rocks below her her massive wings flapped spasmodically, despite her efforts to ignore the pain The wind created by her wings caused the ocean to toss and turn as if it was a typhoon that had hit the area. The dragon bared her teeth at the thought of the human knight who snuck into her lair and attacked her while she slept. A sorcerer, she thought to herself, a sorcerer had to have assisted him in entering her domain without alarming her to his presence. The knight was too anxious to make the kill and struck wildly. Had he been patient, he would have succeeded. Instead, she was able to grab her egg and flee. They would all pay for this insolence after she rested and healed, no matter how long it takes. Her eyes squinted as she focused on the water near her egg. A creature, no creatures, were moving through the water towards her egg. One had made the costly mistake of breaking from the main group and moved towards the egg. She may have been injured, but her head flashed forward in a blink of an eye and snatched the creature out of the water before it could reach its destination. With a quick flip of her head, the creature was swallowed. She knew what sort of creature she was dealing with, seagulls. These creatures were once sailors who in life ate human flesh. When they died, this unnatural hunger brought them back from the, the dead as abominations. The surface of the water broke in front of the red rocks. A lone creature moved out of the water and knelt before the massive dragon. She stared at this creature with its head bowed before her. Its long, stringy hair plastered to its scalp, long arms propped on bent knee its razor-sharp claws glistening in the sun. The flesh of its body seemed to hang onto its bones as mere decoration. We come in peace, O Scourge of the Skies, the ghoul hissed without raising its head. Your wings caused the oceans to roll as if in a storm hit. When the ocean acts like this, ships are bound to crash. My people and I merely came to feast on any fool caught in such a storm.
1: Her head began to lower,
0: and her eyes started to close from loss of blood. She shook her head to rid herself of the sleepy feeling and peered down at the blood-covered rocks. The ghoul must be able to sense how hurt she was, but even in this condition she was more than a match for these wretches. One of your people advanced on my egg, she roared. "'Explain to me why I shouldn't just destroy you all and be done with you.' "'A mistake, oh mightiest of horrors, the ghoul moaned. "'My people have always been friends of dragons. "'It was my people who killed and ate the crew of the Avenger. "'That was the ship that killed the sea dragon, Bedimir. "'But when your people finished with the crew, didn't they return and eat Bedimir? "'She asked, tapping one of her talons on the rock angrily. "'It was a service, my lady,' the ghoul wailed. "'We only did that to honor Bedimir. Had we not done so, his body would have laid at the bottom of the ocean, rotting. That would surely have been a dishonorable end to such a legendary dragon. Badomare's fate is truly none of my concern, she replied. However, you and your people will do me a service for the attack on my egg. Yes, O Queen of Death. It will be our honor, the ghoul said as it flattened itself on the rocks in worship. The rocks that we stand on are infused with my blood. They will remain red from this day forward, as long as blood is spilt on them. When you and your people feed, do it here, from this day forth. As long as the rocks remain red, I will be drawn back to this location, the dragon ordered flexing its wings and trying to ease the pain to its side. That is the only part of the service you and your people do. The other part is that you will protect my egg until I return. But what if the egg hatches before you return, the ghoul asked, still sprawled before the dragon. It won't, the dragon replied, and spoke a few words in the dragon language. As the last words were spoken, she pointed at the egg, and it turned to stone. So what happened to the dragon, the small blonde haired girl asked, looking at her grandfather. Did it die? No, you really are impatient, her grandfather said. The smile as he squeezed her hand. Okay, where was it? Oh yeah. Once the egg was turned to stone, she flapped her wings and rose into the sky. The ghoul rose and watched as the dragon flew north. As he looked out into the ocean at the egg, he shook his head. He knew that dragons were hard to hurt once they were hurt, it took forever for them to heal. He could sense how bad the dragon was wounded. In truth, he and his people came here in hopes for a dragon feast. They remembered the taste of Baldemar and how the magic in the dragon's blood made them feel stronger. Unfortunately, instead of a meal, they were now bound to protect her egg until her return. That wound would take hundreds of years to heal. There was no telling when she'd return. A drop of rain splashed on the grandfather's nose as he finished the story. He looked up and saw how dark the sky was and realized he had to get home. As he knelt down to button his granddaughter's jacket, he noticed a strange man. He had black salty hair and wore a black trench coat. He was standing a few feet away from them, staring at the egg rock. Well, come on, let's go home, he said, picking up his granddaughter. We don't want to get caught in the rain. "Uh Uh-uh, no rain, the little girl laughed. I can't wait to get home and tell Mama the story you told me. Oh, great, Grandfather replied. So if you have nightmares, guess who's a dead man? Don't be silly, Grandpa. I'm not going to have nightmares, she laughed. I'm a big girl. Yes, you are, he said, hugging her close to him. So what's going to happen when the dragon finally comes back for the egg? The little girl asked, looking around her grandfather at egg rock. Well, Lynn swamp's getting a few other Massachusetts cities are in big trouble, her grandfather replied. No one's prepared for anything like that. You'd be surprised, the man in the trench coat said to himself softly, smiling as he patted the sword concealed beneath his coat. Okay, listeners, I hope you enjoyed the stories, and uh, please check out my friend Naziru Wonder on Medium.com. Uh, hopefully, soon we'll have Patrick back on. The young buck was at the U.S. Open, so we'd love to hear what's going on with that. Uh, my wife, Kimberly, and me came back from Disney recently, and we'll be doing a restaurant review and a food and wine review, so that's going to be fun. We have a fun other stuff planned for what is happening. Uh, please check out the Wolfpack Youth Sports Program on Facebook. I'm a part of that. And uh, a lot of fun stuff is coming our way. So thank you very much for listening. And I'd like to especially thank the listeners from other countries like Ghana, France, England, Canada. So It's great having you guys on. And uh, if you have anything that you're good at, like uh, any talent, and you want me to just express it on what is happening, hey, please get in touch with me like Nazirul Wonder did. And uh, I'll gladly put your stuff out there. So um. To Tune in next week, and uh, thank you very much for listening to What's Happening.